0: Yeah. Physical training is really cool in climbing, but it doesn't have this power to transform your life in the same way. These are skills that you can like bring into the rest of your life. So I just find it really rewarding, really powerful stuff.
1: Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin, and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show's Pro Clinic on Mindset and Performance Hacks with one of the leading minds in this space, the one and only Hazel Finlay. I'm so, so excited to have her back here on the show. And this topic, you guys, mindset, was the most requested Pro Clinic topic that y'all asked for when I did a recent poll. So you asked, I listened, and Hazel is here to deliver some Jedi-level insights into how we can manage fear of falling, fear of failure social pressures, expectations, utilize breathwork to reduce anxiety and also to get us amped up when appropriate, like if we're about to pull on a crux. She also reveals loads of other mind tools to help us access flow, tap into our highest potential as climbers, and just have that much more fun when we pull off of the ground. Now Hazel doesn't really need an introduction, y'all know who she is, but I wouldn't be doing my job as a host here if I didn't rattle off at least a few of the high points. Hazel has many first ascents and first female ascents to her name, including Magic Line, a 514C or 8C+, plus rated R trad route in Yosemite, holy smokes, and she was also the first woman to free El Cap via the Golden Gate route. And most applicable to this conversation here today, she has managed fear in some incredibly harrowing situations on Rock, whether she's free soloing, highballing, 30 feet above her last piece on Grit, or most recently, establishing a brand new big wall with Alex Honnold out in Greenland. Her fingers are strong, but her mind is even stronger, and it's that mental game which really sets her apart and makes her the pro to be conducting this pro clinic. Hazel's been coaching athletes for the past eight years in the area of performance psychology, stress, and fear management. She's also created Strong Mind, where she helps climbers to manage their fears and maximize performance through the use of psychological tools, tools that we are going to be exploring in depth today. Look, this conversation has the potential to not only transform your climbing, but also to have a truly positive and lasting impact on your life. So let's get to it and utilize Mindset to unlock some performance hacks and our true potential with Hazel Finlay. Well, before we dive in, it's just a little bit, a little bit since we've connected. So it's great to see you. And since we last spoke, you've gotten married. So congratulations. Thank you. How's that going? How's married life? It's
0: pretty much the same as it was before, apart from we sometimes forget and then remember and go, oh, hey, husband. Well, hey, wife. And that's pretty much it.
1: Right. (laughs) Same thing, different monikers. Great. But you you also took what looked to be like a really cool... And pretty action-packed trip through the U.S. here over to the valley, to Vegas, climbed with a lot of friends and former guests of the show. How was the climbing season for you?
0: It was great, yeah. Um, We wanted to go on that trip for many years. So when my husband and I first got together, we, we did like an early trip. We actually just accidentally ended up in Yosemite at the same time. Um, right when we first got together and then ever since then we were like oh we've got to come back and climb El Cap together and because we were climbing with different people and then just loads of things happened I mean mostly COVID it was really hard to travel to the states for a few years and then we had an injury and then I had a loss in the family and then I also went to Greenland you know just lots of things happened to make it kind of not transpire so yeah it was amazing yeah and it's something that we we wanted to do for a number of years so yeah.
1: Yeah, it looked great. great. And it also looked like from what you were posting, even from the face of El Cap, it was a real mix of emotions. Was there a kind of a big takeaway that came from the trip?
0: Yeah, it was, it was hard to sort of take sort of something super clean from it, you know, like a, you know, like a single takeaway. But I sure. did learn a lot. And I guess I'm sort of in a bit of a stage in my career where things, motivations and things are starting to change a little bit. Um, and I think the trip was like somewhat indicative of that. Um, and then also just you know that sometimes you, you just can't throw down like you really want to, even when you have all the tools and the knowledge, sometimes you really just can't force motivation or at least, yeah, yeah, motivation's a funny one. we can maybe we can get into that. Sometimes like climbing is like about the hardest thing you've ever go- you're ever gonna do. And sometimes it's about having fun and having the trip of a lifetime or it's about self-care or it's about socializing or it can be about any of those things. And I think it's like for me as a professional climber, there's often this pressure that it always has to be about doing the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And you just you can't do that for 15 years. <laughs> so or at least I can't. So, but no, it was cool. We also, you know, I, I make it sound like I, I didn't really do anything that I was proud of, but I did. It was more just, I didn't achieve the goal of climbing El Cap, which was one of the big ones, re-climbing El Cap. So yeah, interesting stuff came up, but no kind of neat takeaways, I would say.
1: Yeah. Great. I think that's going to offer some very rich territory as we go through some of the sections here of, of this conversation. That'll be fresh uh, for you, but also I think incredibly relatable uh, for a lot of people who are listening, as I got questions that were right along those lines um, with regard to motivations and fear of failure and uh, things that I've been struggling with myself uh, this current season where I took on my hardest project and at least to this point have not sent. So very rich territory for us. This conversation's coming at the perfect time. What is the update on Strongmind and the experiences that you've had through presenting these courses?
0: It's, go- it's going really well. I launched it in start of 2021 and a- apart from a trip to Greenland where my husband took over for the six weeks I was there which is really kind of a funny one because um you think of an expedition to Greenland like that as being this exhausting thing right you know you don't shower for six weeks you don't eat proper food, you know, walking, trekking with heavy rucksacks, you know, you're in the cold. But in some ways, it was like a holiday and a rest because I didn't have the internet and I didn't have my jobs to do for Strong Mind. So apart from that, um, you know, I've been working pretty consistently at the business apart from this recent trip to America which has been hard work and it's probably something I'm not quite as used to, you know, like coming from a professional climbing life, which does contain work, you know, that, to say that it's not hard work, it w- would be a disservice, but it's not being in, a, in an office. It's not looking at a computer all, of the, all all day. So it was a bit of a shock, but to be honest, I just find it so, so rewarding. I know that probably sounds a bit cringe, but just having people tell me that they love climbing more than ever or that Applying these tools is helping them in the rest of their life. Like someone just wrote a re- me an email recently to say that it really helped him get through a divorce
1: wow. doing the
0: performance task course. And oh, it's really helped people like finish their PhD or something like that. So that's what I love about it is your know, physical training is really cool in climbing, but it doesn't have this power to transform your life in the same way. The skills are not as transferable. You know, like having strong fingers is kind of useful for like a few things in normal life, like opening jars or whatever, but it's not really that useful. But like learning to like listen to your emotions or be kind to yourself or pick goals that are actually really satisfying right from the moment that you start trying it to the right at the end, to the end. These are skills that you can like bring into the rest of your life. So I don't know, I just find it really rewarding, really powerful stuff. And I guess that, you know, just bringing it back to kind of like my motivations are changing. I feel like that excites me more than my own personal goals now, which Mm -hmm. is a really weird thing to say, because I never thought that like I would be in that position. But I guess, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a novel thing for me as well, rather than, you know, to be so kind of into my own personal stuff so much.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful to hear the the feedback that you've gotten from those who have taken the course, um, and and climbers who've reached out to you. That the the impact, the ripples, go well beyond just performance on the rock, and and that's kind of echoed by the struggle community here. As I put out an end of year survey and and pulled the community on what they wanted to hear more of, and the number one most requested was to have you on to talk more about mindset. So this is just I think an area of focus or territory here in climbing that we're just kind of now starting to scratch the surface. We put a lot of time into figuring out what the right repeaters are to get strong tendons. And we maybe haven't put as much time into thinking about how we can optimize not just our performance, but also just our experience, our fun through mindset. And I think maybe the best place to start at risk of being overly simplistic is really to try to understand or define what mindset is, or at least what your understanding is of that, as we're going to be exploring that now for the rest of the conversation?
0: Yeah, great question. So I quite like to define it quite broadly. I think if you sort of Google it, it sometimes has like a kind of narrow definition, but I like to think of it as kind of like a attitude, a way of seeing things, and and kind of like more of a collection of like beliefs, habits, values, attitudes, approaches. But yes, more centered around the internal, the psychological side of all of that rather than, so when I say habit, like your thought habits rather Mm. than like necessarily do you brush your teeth every day? So yeah, pretty broad, but it's one of those words that people kind of intuitively get it and we use it in day-to-day language. And How we use it is how I mean it. You know, if someone says, oh, they have a positive mindset or they have a a good mindset or they have a strong mindset, you know, we we understand what people mean when we say that.
1: Mm -hmm. Very good. So it's the struggle, right? So we're going to be talking about struggle a little bit throughout the course of this. And I'm curious where you struggle in your mindset, where you have or maybe currently are.
0: Yeah. So I think some people think of me as this like sort of fearless person, um, you know, because some of the films, and this is a problem with the climbing media in general, right, they tend to showcase these most polished, best moments, the kind of the results of the labor, you know, but I've had all sorts of struggles. I think I've experienced most of the struggles that um, most other climbers experience, you know, so like fear of falling, fear of failure, performance anxiety, distraction. Fear of what other people think is probably the biggest one for me. Um, And it's something that I can now manage fairly well in my climbing, but I still have work to do, I think, in the rest of life. And that's probably what I'm kind of most focused on for myself personally right now is fear of what other people think and sort of like some areas of just being confident and being like, you know, immune to... Certain social pressures that can kind of affect my decision making in a way that you know I don't uh, want it to, or is not helping me. So yeah, that's to name a few. Um.
1: No, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's being able to just name and express the things that we're struggling with, especially in mindset, is can be kind of a relief and empowering. At least you know, in my personal experience, it has been. And some of those barriers that you just mentioned are even outlined in the. Performance Hacks course, a social comparison comes to mind and something that I think whether you're a professional and your livelihood is dependent on it, or you're just a weekend warrior, but you go out with the same crew, we all can experience that on different levels. So thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to explore a lot of those as we dive in here. But before we move on, I did get a question from one of the patrons of the show, Rosemary, that I think is relevant to kind of where we're at right now. As she said, I'd love to hear how climbing has been helpful or at times even less healing, perhaps, to Hazel as she's navigated the loss of her father. And at this stage in her career, does she view climbing as pure wellness, recreation, a job, or something else?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Rosemary. And yeah, I think that's sort of been one of my takeaways of the year, sort of that climbing can mean these very different things. I think I have kind of... Mm, I'm not like super crazy performance-driven compared to other professional athletes. For example, I've found it difficult to set goals in the past, and that's actually something that I had to really work on in the latter part of my career was get better at setting goals. I'm kind of a intuitive person, right? I go with the flow. I pick a crag that I like the look of, and I pick the, the route that looks coolest. You know, that's kind of my nature. I'm very naturally intrinsically motivated, which we could talk about later. So I'm not crazy performance drinking, but what I've always done is tried very hard. I've always wanted to, you know, f- feel like I've always wanted the challenge level to be pretty high for myself as a climber, whether that's in my training or, you know, just going out. And it doesn't mean to say I pick big goals, but I want to onsite a route where I'm going to be power screaming, where I'm going to be, you know, because that's the, they're the moments I love the most, right? That really focus your attention, where you feel in flow or you're in that really try hard state, like that really at its essence is kind of like why I go climbing but then when I lost my dad and I had a lot of emotional stuff going on um, it was like my nervous system really didn't want to try hard and it made me realize how hard a sport climbing actually is like I remember like I've got a training board in my house and I was like oh I don't really feel like going to the gym because I have to see people and you know all that and so I'm really lucky to have this training board but I couldn't really pull on. I, like, my nervous system just like hmm. didn't really want to do it. So for about a month, I only really did yoga, and that felt really healing, like really gentle for my nervous system, whereas climbing just felt like too much. I think if I'd been somewhere with like, super nice, easy climbing, maybe that would have been okay. Right. But here like, it's kind of cold, and it always feels kind of a bit hard, um, at least the stuff that was like, available to me but I think you know that's sort of with grief but now that I'm sort of more healed from all of that and just like looking to the future although I might not be setting these crazy big goals and, ch- and training really hard for them I think I'll always be a climber who wants to um, challenge myself whatever that looks like I just I think it's kind of in my nature.
1: Thank you for sharing that and Rosemary thank you for the question there. I think, again, that'll provide some good jumping off points for us as we dive in here. Now, typically, I, I would structure these pro clinics kind of in a beginner, intermediate, and advanced type structure. But I think the that paradigm's kind of blown up when we're talking about mindset, because there's going to be advanced climbers, if we're talking about grades, that will struggle with things that a beginner climber might struggle with or not struggle with, right? So I think we can like probably it. follow a different format on this if Unless you see that there's very common mindset barriers that occur at different grade levels.
0: No, I don't really see that, to be honest. The only thing I really see is that if you're a really high-level climber, chances are that you are fairly good at being able to focus on the wall for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that they don't have big distractors that they need to work on but that they can, in enough moments, focus when they have to.
1: Got it. Well, then I think uh, maybe the the best way for us to navigate through this is I've got a lot of listener questions, so we can explore some of those as case studies. We can maybe look at some of my um, things that I've been struggling with this past season as well. I can use my, myself as a guinea pig here. One of the benefits of hosting a podcast is um, getting nice. pro advice from the guests. Uh, but also you've laid out in your Strongline course here on, on the Performance Hacks, a very, what, what seems to be a very kind of logical structure with barriers being this series of topics or chapters that explore what I'm assuming are kind of common themes or common barriers to climbers with regard to our mindset. And so we've got fears, expectations, social comparisons, overthinking, this kind of thing. Does one or two of those jump out in terms of just maybe most commonly um, addressed with climbers of all levels
0: you know what i, th- I think climbers of, of all levels fear is going to be a barrier um whether that's fear of falling or social fears i, th- I think all of them are probably going to touch most climbers at some stage in their climbing career Mm -hmm. It's just to what extent and for how long, I think. Because these are really just part of the human condition, you know. You know, having expectations of yourself. um, Expectations is one of the lessons in the barriers chapter. And, um, you know, expectations are bound to happen, right? Like as soon as we get to a certain level, um, even like a couple of weeks into your climbing, you'll probably start to have expectations based on how you climbed the week before and how you manage that is part of your mindset and if you manage it in a way where there's often this gap between your expectations and your performance and then you respond in a very negative way when you see that there's that gap that's going to be something that's probably going to be a barrier to performance whereas if you're more able to take expectations a bit more lightly you know it's going to be less of a barrier same with social comparison social validation like if you're someone who is you know like log books and Logging our ascents is really popular these days or reporting on Instagram, you know, it's common to just every time you go climbing, every time you send a route, you'll report it on Instagram, you know, but what is that doing to your mindset and your psychology? Are you more motivated to get the likes on your social feed? Or are you actually motivated to learn and grow within the sport? And how might that show up as a distraction to you? when you're climbing and this is not just professional climbers this as you said before this is everyone because we all have the people that we care about and one of the biggest fears um you know research shows that we're more afraid of being alone than we are of dying right these social fears of being rejected by your group are so powerful within us and when you have a group that really values performance or really values outcomes or gives you all this social validation and social praise when you do well but you don't get that when you learn something new or you have a good day, you know. These are the things that are gonna affect our performance and our enjoyment. And they're just symptoms of what it means to be human. It's not abnormal. It's nothing wrong with you if you feel these things. In mm-hmm. fact, you might be, there might be something wrong with you if you don't feel them because we're human. It's just more, it, the main thing is be, being aware of it. And I think actually, you know, this is the thing that's the most useful to talk about in some ways is building the awareness um, around some of these distractions and around um, what the next chapter is about, which is gateways, you know, which are the things that facilitate performance, which put us into a good frame of mind to give our best on the wall. So, but the thing is because we're quite externally facing creatures, you know, we're very interested in the tangible in what we can see out in the world. We're not very internally focused. It means that we kind of lack self-awareness around these things and how they're affecting our psychology. I used to think I was just this really confident, really self-aware person in my 20s, right? I just used to think that I could say what I thought and I wouldn't care what anyone thought of me. And then since all the work that I've done around self-awareness, the main one being a, a lot of meditation, I'm now like hang on a minute, I totally cared what that person thought in that moment. So like, as I build more self-awareness, I'm actually seeing more and more about these things that I could potentially work on. So I don't know, there's a lot in there, but (laughs) there
1: you go. No, that's great. I mean, this is the work. This is the pool of which we're going to wade into. I do have some specifics, you know, some listeners who reached out about some fears is kind of one of the first things that we touched on there. So there's kind of fear of falling. I've got a listener question there, fear of failure. I think I could use myself as a case study on part of that. But maybe before we get specific, the umbrella, it sounds like, for a lot of this, and hopefully I'm not getting too esoteric here. If I am, we can just get into some of these specific questions and maybe learn as we go. But you mentioned that awareness is maybe what kind of underpins a a lot of this, that self-awareness. And how is it that we can work on that?
0: One of the tools that we introduce really early on in the course is something that I call checking in. And all you're doing, basically, when you check in is you're turning your awareness to be internally facing rather than externally. Mm -hmm. So it's really just taking a few moments of the day. um, And two questions can help direct these check-ins. So one is, what am I thinking? And what am I feeling? And so what am I thinking is more about the sound of your own voice in your head, or if you're quite a visual person, you might get a lot of imagery. And often, you know, when you're walking to the crag or you're driving in the car to the gym or whatever, thoughts will pop out up about your coming session, especially say if you've got a project or something that you care about and you're invested in, you know, you'll have a bunch of thoughts and there might be some like commonalities among those thoughts you know are they mostly negative are they mostly positive where's your attention directed towards what within these thoughts you know what's the content of them so you just might think about those thoughts for a moment and then what I'm feeling is more around what do you feel in your body so like if I do it right now I can tell that my heart rate is slightly more raised than it would be if I was like hanging out on the couch and that's because I'm like mid-conversation on a podcast you know And that's a good thing. I want my stress levels to be up a little bit because I want to be alert. I don't want to be kind of feeling tired and sleepy and bored, you know, because then I'm going to come across that way. So, So that's what I feel when I check in right now. Before a climb, you might use the breath as a way to tell you something about what's going on in your nervous system. But you may also be like, where am I looking? Or you might be like, what sensations do I feel? And it's those sensations that give us insight into our emotional state. So, for example, if you feel like maybe heavy and cold, you could maybe have more of a negative valence to your mood. If you feel like light and and bubbly, then maybe that's more of a positive valence. Maybe that's more of an energetic mindset that you're in. So, um, and then, you know, at first, try not to kind of judge those things or to draw conclusions. All it is just you're checking in and every time you do that check-in, you're building awareness around your emotional and cognitive state, which you can then use to do the work around the mental training. But until you get that information, so it's analogous in physical training to like doing a testing session, you know, and just getting some numbers, right? Um, of course it's different in mental training, but That's a great place to start if you're looking to build that. And then if you're really keen to build a self-awareness, I really recommend starting meditation. You don't have to do much, like five, ten minutes a day. Just start with something that you know you can do, even if it's a minute. Um, And that just gives you a bit of a more prolonged training time for this skill of bringing your awareness to what thoughts are coming and what do you feel in your
1: body. Thank you. I think that's, you know, that's a huge it's a lifelong pursuit, right, in, in kind of talking about having that that real awareness with what we're thinking and what we're feeling moment to moment, but starting with just a few times a day, like you said, it you be a reminder on our phone that we say, you know, what am I thinking, what am I feeling? And it just kind of pulls us out of kind of the hamster mind for a second. We can check in, and certainly as we're climbing, preparing for a climb, or even on route, on a rest, or sit-down rest, yeah. or active rest, being able to check in is a really good practice because I think, to your point, a lot of us could go quite some time without being aware that we do have a barrier. And I think this is maybe a perfect segue into fear of falling because I've got a question here from a listener about that. But from my personal experience, I went years climbing, not aware that I had a fear of falling, or at least maybe telling myself that I wasn't afraid to fall until I finally realized that, yeah, I think, I really do think I am. And so I'll... Handed off to April here, who's a listener to the podcast, and she wrote in, when I go sport climbing, I know that I'm afraid to fall because I'm constantly looking at how far above a bolt that I am. I tell myself that the fall would be safe, but it's still so hard to be relaxed, so I usually call take. Would it be better for me to not call take?
0: Okay, yeah, so that's a really specific question. Lots of people, and, and this is where there's quite a, a mix of maybe unhelpful information about for falling out there, a lot of people would say, no, don't say take and just push on. But I do not think that is the right approach. You know, In that specific situation, if you feel like it's too much for you and you're about to panic or you're about to start having a bad time, if you don't say take and you continue climbing, what you're basically doing is you're ingraining a deeper negative association with falling. Mm. So every time you have a really shit uh, experience, sorry, I don't know if I can say Oh, it's fine, yeah. Um, either taking a nasty fall that wasn't appropriate for you because you and you were really stressed when you took it, or climbing into your panic zone, which I define as kind of like, an unmanageable psychological state, you can't manage your psychology anymore when you're in panic zone, then that's going to be making your fear of falling worse. But you also shouldn't only say take and not do anything. What you should do is you should join our flight school course. (laughs) (laughs) Yes which is launching at the end of the month and if you follow the strong mind Strong Climbing instagram you'll find uh, that we we're basically that's what we're talking about at the moment is the fear of falling course or you know if you want to do in-person stuff i've i know rock warriors way and i know they do good work so not to just make this about an advert for our own company i think they're also good but really you want to develop a full practice that's going to be effective and work for you and that doesn't just involve throwing yourself off the rock so yeah, ask for help, gain knowledge, and then try to build your comfort with falling. Don't just either avoid falling or force yourself to take falls that you're not ready for, which is the two things that most people do, which are the two things that are actually going to make your fear of falling worse.
1: And just without, I guess, we, we can do an entire you know, episode here. As you have mentioned, you've got a whole course on, on falling. But just for those who are listening who, like April, might be in this boat, Maybe they haven't even identified it, like April, you know, was brave enough to do or in tune enough with herself to do here. Or we've known we've had a fear for quite some time. What, what can climbing be like once we've actually handled and started to work with that fear?
0: Yeah, you know, I've worked with so many people who are ready to give up the sport, you know, after 10, 15 years of climbing and improving in all these different areas as a climber, but very slowly because they can't fall. You know, they're getting stronger because they're training hard and they're over gripping on everything, but they're not utilizing that physical strength because they're stressed when they climb, because they over grip when they climb because they, you know, so that, so they're not able to access that maximum physical potential because they can't push themselves. So I just, I think that finding effective fall practice is probably like the most powerful intervention that I've seen in people that I coach and that have gone through our courses because it just has the power to completely transform your climbing experience from one that's stressful and distracted. And what I also see is a lot of people are ashamed about their fear of falling or they're confused about why they can't try really hard, why they can't push themselves, why they're not achieving their goals. And so there's shame around that, there's negativity around it. And so then to go from that to being able to push yourself. And you know, for some people, fear of falling will probably always be a bit of a thing. And I'm not gonna lie, just doing full practice for a bit might help some people to the point where then they can climb freely. But for other people, they're gonna have to keep it up for their whole climbing life. But if you find someone to teach it well, then you'll have a fall practice that's fun. You know, if you're doing full practice, but you're not finding it fun and you feel negative afterwards, then you're doing it wrong. But when people do find that and then they are able to focus, it's just a massive transformation. It's kind of almost like doing a different sport and they can just, you know, it adds to their life. It fills them up rather than something that actually takes away.
1: Yeah, I I certainly can empathize as I experienced that moving from climbing trad out west to, to the overhung routes here at the red and just not being accustomed to falling at all, almost kind of learning to not fall because I didn't want to fall on gear and these kinds of things. Uh, and this was before Strong Mind was around, but I read this book, Vertical Mind um, by Don McGrath. I saw you worked with him recently on, yeah. on something that he's doing. And uh, and through that, and then honestly, maybe the biggest breakthrough for me, not to go too much on a personal tangent here, but was honestly just verbalizing it to my climbing buddies as we would drive to the crack. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like, guys, I'm afraid to fall. So I'm going to try to take some falls today and just... The power that came from just saying, hey, I'm afraid to fall um, was like very liberating for me. Maybe it's like this, you know, macho thing i had been stuck in or whatever it was, but just like saying I'm afraid to fall and then working on that out at the red and taking some fun airy falls and this kind of thing. I can say from my experience, similar to what you just said, I just started to have a lot more fun, but also... I started ascending through the grades at like a lightning pace. It was crazy as I worked on that to just, you know, I I was stuck in the 510s and in the course of like 18 months was climbing 512s and just because I could be more relaxed and I could try harder and I could fall making a move rather than fall looking down at the bolt and wondering if it was going to be a safe fall. You know, like it was just climbing just became kind of more pure and while we can't maybe offer every tool possible to somebody who's listening right now. Maybe the biggest takeaway for this kind of fear of falling chapter is that there's some great resources out there. You've got this mm-hmm. incredible course. There are others. There's great mm-hmm. ways to tackle fear of falling now. And if you're in that camp, you should, because I think it, you know, it makes climbing not only better, but also you, you know, you're probably going to perform at a higher level. Is that a good way, do you think, to, to wrap this up? Or is there more unfinished business on fear of falling? It's such a rich chapter here. We could probably spend the whole, entire yeah. time on it.
0: One thing I would just say is that there's a lot of different grades, let's say, of fear falling or intensities mm. of fear falling. And I think that what you could do is do exactly what you've said, Ryan, but then also using the check-ins when you go and do those things and being really mindful of whether your approach is actually making you want to fall off more or is it making you more scared because so many people actually struggle to manage it and where they get the challenge level wrong, largely because there's this disconnect usually between how we feel on a nervous system level and where we think we should be at. And I think that's kind of the biggest error that people make. They go, I know it's safe to fall. I've seen other people do it. I am a generally brave person or you know, whatever story you tell yourself, I should be able to fall here. Um, and then people generally push themselves to take falls they're not ready for. Yeah, just be mindful of that and yeah, keep doing the check-ins with, you know, whatever action point you take with your through-falling, checking in with yourself is like the main thing, I would say.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And to, to be clear, too, from my own personal example, there are days where I go out and I'm like gripped. Like, I don't, I call take. I, you know, I'll clip up on a route that I've been on before because I'm just, I'll do that check in and I'll just be like, man, I'm just feeling some like high anxiety today or whatever. So it's not like I addressed my fear of falling and now, you know, that's in the past. I think it kind of ebbs and wanes and we're like such dynamic humans. It could be something that's happened to me at work or with my kids or, you know, who knows what I'm carrying into the crag. And so I'm sure that's common for others as well.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So being mindful of that and also being mindful that different people need different Maybe not di- Maybe different interventions is not the word. So some people will have to be very cautious with how they approach it and some people will be able to just take a few falls and actually just build their confidence and not maybe needs. You know, we teach, the way we teach it is very structured. There's a whole protocol around it. There's a whole building of skills leading up to it. Some people with a real ingrained fear of falling really do need that and some people will get away with just doing some practice falls, being mindful of their emotional state, their stress levels. And that will be enough to kind of really manage it and you know, do as what you've done, which is just really unlock this potential that was stuck, which is such a great feeling because you just, I don't think you really get that from physical training, right? Because it's quite slow, whereas mental training can be actually kind of faster. You know, I've seen people in the space of a weekend go from having never really fallen before to trying hard on a route you know that's not everyone's story but i've seen it um and i just don't know if you can get that from like finger strength or anything else right
1: no i love that i think that's a very powerful kind of realization to to have there that unlocking some of these things can in some cases really kind of tectonically shift the way in which or, or the kind of the level at which we're climbing let's Kind of move on to one of the other fears here, maybe the other main fear, one that I run into more when I'm talking to the pros on this show, and that's fear of failure. But let's use me as an example for this one, because I quite publicly earlier this season made it clear that I wanted to climb my hardest route yet, which is this 513A at the Red River Gorge called The Force kind of an anti-style problem. I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't pick low-hanging fruit. I wanted it to be a challenge. I wanted to get better as a climber, but I also made it very public and did like a series of podcasts around it. And, you know, a lot of my Instagram posts are were around the progress that I'm making. And so I have made incredible progress. I went from, you know, going a few sessions without being able to do moves, single moves on the route, to now I'm consistently going out and falling two moves before the chains. So To look on the bright side, I'm climbing, you know, a 12D or maybe a soft 13A from the ground to nearly the chains a few times a session. To look on the negative side, or maybe the not as bright side, I haven't sent, and that's been a very public goal. And only just recently have I started to feel the pressure of it, where it's starting to maybe affect the purity of the joy of the experience. Whereas before I was making all this progress and I was like, this is great. I'm charging towards the goal. Now I'm like kind of stagnating a little bit and the weather's turning and I don't know if it's going to happen. I might have to tuck into a training block and this kind of thing. So anyway, this isn't about me projecting, but it's more about that fear of failure, which maybe has started to seep in with my climbing and I'm sure you've seen with others as well. And what are some of the gateways or the mind tools that you recommend when we're experiencing that because I think whether you're a gym climber and you're climbing with a lot of friends and they're all climbing stuff and you're not quite doing it or you've made it public or your livelihood depends on it, kind of at every level we we can experience this fear of failure, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's definitely quite a few different approaches to this and you know, if I was coaching you, we'd probably do like a whole hour session to figure out the avenue that we'd like to go down.
1: You've got five um, minutes to fix me. <laughs>
0: yeah. What I would say to you is, you know, or what I'd ask you is, to what extent is this fear of failure or to and to what extent is it fear of what other people think or of social judgment? You know, if you had not made it public or is this is something that just you and people who are close to you knew about how would that change your experience
1: and that there wraps up the free portion of this mind expanding conversation with the one and only hazel finlay don't get mad at me though because you can listen to this entire episode for free Right now, and it's just packed with insights, you guys, that no doubt will improve your performance. I'm telling you, it's already changing the way that I am projecting and performing at the gym and out on the crag. Now, in the rest of this pro clinic with Hazel, she outlines mind tools on how we can all manage fear of failure, social pressures, what to do when we stop making progress on a project that I'm kind of feeling right now myself, dealing with competitiveness within our climbing group, the biggest barrier to accessing flow. Mind tools that she uses before she pulls onto a climb, and also other tools that we can all start using today that can help us to more readily access flow, manage anxiety, and get us primed before pulling into a crux sequence. Holy smokes, there's so much. And I'm telling you, this conversation just keeps on delivering. You can listen to it all right now at zero cost, you guys with a free trial over at Patreon or Apple subscriptions. And if you pop over there right now, by the way, we're doing a really big giveaway. All new patrons are automatically entered to win a year's supply of chalk from Rungni, as well as a $250 gift card to use on their website. And that'll also score you instant access to every other pro clinic and bonus episode that I've done. Talking about more than 40 hours from Ravioli Biceps, Breaking Down the Moonboard, to Jordan Cannon's clinic on multi-pitch climbing, to Alice Invest on advanced bouldering. We've got Alex Honnold, Magnus Mitbo, Chris Sharma, Nina Williams, so many others. I think you are going to love this stuff and want to stick around as a paying member. But if you don't, then you can just quit before your free trial's up and you won't be charged a thing. Simply pop over to Patreon.com slash The Struggle Climbing Show to get that free trial going. Or if you're an iPhone person, you can just double click for a free trial right there in your Apple Podcast app. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'm working really hard on this and your membership is what helps me to keep it all going. Hey, Hazel, how can we work with you and StrongMind?
0: So if you're super quick and you, if you're like, oh, I fear falling is a real issue for me. I know it's my biggest barrier. You've probably got time if you're listening to this sooner rather than later to get to flight school. If the registration is closed, you can put yourself on the waitlist for next year, or you can look into those other resources that we mentioned. We're also going to be releasing the Strong Mind course in the summer, which includes a lot of fear of falling. It's centered around fear management and climbing. It's kind of like our flagship course. And so, so both of those courses are like live. We help you through it. We support you through it. There's Q and A's and a community. And people tend to like that. You know, they get a lot from that aspect of it. Whereas Performance Hacks, there is a community, and you can ask some questions, but it's more of a do-it-yourself format. You go away, and that you can buy at any time. And what we recommend is that you first do our free training, where you'll get a bit more of an insight into the course and also to some of the outcomes that you could access through doing the course. And then at the end of it, you can buy it if you like to. But I think that even if you don't want to buy it, that free training is going to be pretty valuable to a lot of people. And yeah, just one thing I would add, actually, in the whole free resources thing is that we have a newsletter where I do a thought of the week email every week so if you are interested in just like you don't really want to do a course but you just want to stay somewhat connected to these ideas and have it be something that you reflect on then um that newsletter we tend to have it just like mostly be valuable you know like we're essentially like this is what I'm thinking about this week you know it's not like a businessy newsletter and then obviously our social media as well
1: So speaking of social media, you can find Hazel on IG at Hazel underscore Finlay and at strongmind.climbing. And of course you can find me at the Struggle Climbing Show on Instagram, as well as YouTube, where we've got some videos with Hazel. So check those out if you have a second. All of those links are right there in your episode notes as well. And now dear listener, if you would allow me just one little favor here that costs you nothing, and maybe will help out a lot of people in your world, would you just consider sharing this episode with a friend or two who might be struggling themselves with fear of falling or social comparison and competition, or would just benefit from some extra mind tools to boost their confidence on the rock or at the gym? This episode, I think more than any other that I've ever done, to be honest, has the power to positively impact a person's life, like full stop, not just their climbing. So if you could just copy that link right there in your podcast player and shoot it over to a friend of yours or 10 or whatever with a random emoji, they'll be happy that you did and Hazel and I would really appreciate it as well. The Struggle's carbon neutral in partnership with the HODL Foundation and is a proud member of the PlugTone Audio Collective, a diverse group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. This show is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Devlin. All right, what are you waiting for? Pop over to Patreon and listen to the rest of this Banger Pro Clinic for free and take your climbing to new heights. Thank you all so much again for listening. I hope your training and climbing are going great. And if you are struggling like me, well, just remember that the struggle makes us stronger.